Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to another edition of Life Behind Bars. I'm Noah Rothbaum, the Daily Beast half-full editor. Joining me, as always, is my colleague and co-host, David Wondrich. Howdy, y'all. Today, we're talking about one of the simplest drinks that you can find in a bar or restaurant, really any place that serves alcohol, beer and a shot. You know, it's a simple but delicious combination of a beer and a spirit, often now whiskey, but it can be all types of things from mezcal to tequila to, you know, gin even. One of my favorite combinations and uh, one that really goes back in time quite a bit. After you've had a cocktail, maybe two cocktails, and you're out for the evening, a little glass of spirits and a beer to go with it is a pretty nice thing. Absolutely. Kind of connected. I mean, obviously, the first step in making whiskey is making unhopped beer, Mm -hmm. which I think a lot of beer drinkers either like to forget about or don't know about, and same thing with whiskey drinkers. So clearly, there's some connection there. The funny thing is, if you look at the history of it, the whiskey making places, they always drank those together. Like Scotland and right. Ireland, going back, you find it on record as early as like 1605. Wow. You know, and that's pretty early. Yeah, whiskey absolutely. was just beginning to take shape then. It was still a flavored spirit. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it wasn't It uh, was the, the, the beautiful grain elixir that can sustain all life that we know now. Even then, they liked to have some ale on the side. Other countries have always drunk it that way. Germany. Sure. Uh, the schnapps. Always goes with some beer on the side, right. or not always, but is that's that's yeah. super common. Scotland, Ireland. It's weird just to get into a little history riff that America was really late to it. I think of it as something so quintessentially American. Yeah, likewise, a shot and a beer. I mean, hell yeah, let me put on my uh, my <laughs> trucker hat and and, and uh, go sit out on the porch shooting cans with my twenty two right. and uh, a shot and a beer right there. I right. mean, it's like completely dive bar American. Staple. I mean, what would yeah. a dive bar be without a shot God, and no. a beer? I, I don't know. I wouldn't want to go to it though. <laughs> you need the shot to sanitize the beer. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It's just healthy. American drinkways came from England. And England wasn't really a whiskey drinking culture in the 18th century when so many English uh, people came over here. Beer, yes. Beer, yeah. Yeah, they drank a lot of ale. Uh, If they drank straight spirits, it was gin. And that was for poor people. And that was watered down so heavily anyway that it didn't really need so much of a chaser. You get to America, our spirits industry started really building. Everybody drank it with ice water. And that was the American thing. And the Europeans would come here and go, What's all this ice water? Right. And that was for them was a huge luxury. Right. But for us, we had a big ice industry. Things get really cold in the north. They cut big blocks of ice and insulate them and save them. You would always get a glass of ice water back with your yeah. – as, as the chaser. And that was the American chaser. 
Like what time period? Uh, we're talking know? like you know the the first half of the 19th century yeah. when American drinkways really sure. started to get firm. Yeah. When we had like the cocktail bars invented. Because even at that time, a lot of beer was like room temperature, right? Yeah, we drank like ale, you right. know, and and. Uh, then in the 1840s, we started getting massive waves of German immigration. They bring lager beer with them. Right. And the Americans look at that stuff like the, kind of the, the let's say, the uh, more prejudiced nativist ones look at that stuff as poison. Right. It's like, what the hell are these people doing poisoning themselves with this lager beer? It's cold. It's right. just wrong. You know? right. After a couple generations, everybody realizes that lager beer is actually A-OK. Right. <laughs> and actually, America's really hot, and we like lager. Which also kind of becomes another signature of America, where yeah. you know, we're now known for you know, the Budweiser's of the world. Exactly. And the Miller's, and the, you know, that, that is America. Yeah, for lager, so Pilsner-style <laughs> beers. Right. I mean, you so should the rest of the world when yeah. they want to, you know, yeah. when they drink, quote-unquote, American, they mean yeah. having a, like a Bud. Yeah, uh, like something on the, on the lighter side, right. let's say, yeah, and absolutely. very cold. Yeah. Even in the 1890s, like, you never drank them together. That was wrong. Wow. I found an article in uh, one of the New York newspapers from around 1895. This guy steps up to the bar and says, I want a whiskey and a beer. And everybody looks at him like, <laughs> what the hell is this? Who is this right. maniac? Right. And and the bartender's like, mm, I don't know if you want that, son. But, right. you know, and he puts them there. And then the guy's friend comes and joins him and takes the beer, and right. everybody relaxes. Like, oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. To drink like that was crazy, right? Yeah. And it became known as the Boilermaker and his helper because the Boilermaker pounded huge metal plates into shape and, sure. and welded them and soldered them. And it was just like the hardest manual labor. Right. And his helper was the dumb guy who did all the hard work. Right. And so you'd have the Boilermaker, the shot, and his helper, the beer. It came out of like Pittsburgh and places right. like that. And it was also known as a bohemian cocktail from the Czechs sure. who, like the Germans, right. had no problem drinking a little bit of beer with their spirits. Sometimes we see the Boilermaker, the, the whiskey is dropped into the beer. That comes later, right? Yeah, right. That, that that got called originally. It was called like a depth bomb, right. I think. And, and it was, yeah, a depth charge, a depth bomb. You were, yeah. you know, that that was kind of uh, the cheesy way of doing right. it. Right. I still think it – I don't do it. Right. But uh, – <laughs> It took a while for us to come around to this. I Rap mean, meanwhile, you know, that. you've been all over the world. Yeah. I've been all over the world. Any hot country, you see people drinking this. Sure. Any cold country, you see yeah. people drinking it. It is something that we think of as so American, but you're right. I mean, we see people South America. I mean, yeah, I, I was in Brazil. I'm in, uh, you know, drinking in cachaça bars, and you get these lovely glass of cachaça with a little garotinho, as they call it, a little like you know, kind of pony of right. of ice cold Brahma right. beer or one of the other the other Brazilian beers. Like, and the beer is really cold, and the cachaça is really delightful. In Amsterdam, you get one of the most bespoke shot and beer cultures. Right? I mean, oh yeah, there's a, there's oh, a yeah. whole ritual surrounding you know the the Geneva service. Yeah, the Kopstoutje. I think <laughs> that's how you say it. I like Amsterdam bars. They have some yeah. of the most beautiful old bars in the world. You know, the Dutch always tell you that they're very cheap. Geneva, the gin of the country, but it's more like whiskey than gin. Right. It's lightly flavored whiskey, really. Uh, they, they pour it chilled in this little tulip-shaped glass so it bulges on top <laughs> because they want to make sure they can get every drop into that glass <laughs> that goes in there and then more. Right. And so the, you get the surface tension bulging the top up. The counters are kind of low that this gets served to you on with a little uh, drink of like ice cold Heineken. Uh, so you've got your little glass of beer and your bulgy top Geneva and you put your hands behind your back and bend from the waist. Take the first sip without using your hands. Right. 
You bend it because uh, if you try to move it, the surface tension will break and right. it'll spill all over the place. I mean, this sounds like some kind of game from like a fraternity house, but yeah. this, this is literally taking place. I, in I, like I've a, seen people like line up, like Dutch people from their 20s through their 70s. And in some of the most beautiful historic bars that oh, have yeah. been for, oh, yeah. you know, hundreds of It's not a frat drink. It's just what, what you do. You right. know, it's very Dutch. You know, you take a few sips. Yeah. And then, and then and you it, sip the rest. If you go to bars here in America and you get a shot and a beer, the beer is usually a pint, right? Right. Or uh, a can, maybe. A can or a bottle or a pint. But it's always like – it's like 12 to 20 ounces. Yeah. And elsewhere, it's a glass of beer. And I think like that – a little bit more reasonable. It's a little more reasonable because I find uh, the standard pour of spirits, I'm done with that and I've only drunk half my beer. Right. And you can either like get another, you know, shot right. to go with your pint, and uh, exactly, or drink the the rest of the beer naked. And who wants yeah. to do that? You yeah. need that spirits to go with it. I was just in Tulsa judging a big cocktail competition after judging sixteen different bars. Yeah. What do I want? I want beer and a shot. We had a shot of like Jack Daniels and a, I wanted Miller High Life. And I can't remember what they had. But you're right. It's like, you you know, you finish. It's too the, much beer. It's too much beer for the, yeah. <laughs> the ratio is yeah, off. Yeah. One of my favorite bars is in Milwaukee is uh, Palmer's. They give you a shot of booze in a, like a six ounce water glass. Right. And it's about, you know, half full at least. So there's plenty of booze yeah, in there. Sure. They give you the same glass again of full of water on the side. Or if you want beer for no wow. extra charge. And it can be Grain Belt, their uh, oh, version, yeah. you know, of the, Midwest favorite. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of like Grain Belt. I do too. And uh, can be uh, one of the local microbrews, yeah. you know, and 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 it's just kind of beautiful. And that yeah. that one they'll fill up, and it's like, isn't that how spirits right. should come? Absolutely. Whenever I go to Minneapolis, people always, I always insist on upon drinking Grain Belt. I mean, there are obviously now literally dozens of craft breweries. Oh yeah. But I'm always like, I can't get Grain Belt in New York. That's I want yeah. to drink Grain Belt here. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, you know, the lighter beers are good if you're drinking yes. spirits too. You don't need the most yeah. complex beers. And especially as the beers go up in alcohol. Yeah, level. exactly. The whole point of having the beer is to keep you from drinking too much spirits. Right. <laughs> you know? And, of course, leave it to American ingenuity for us to increase the amount of spirit, right? So, like, you know, yeah. in other countries you're probably getting maybe 100 centiliters maybe, like yeah, an ounce. Yeah. Standard shot here is an ounce and a half. And then if you go to certain bars, long shooters, you know, or a generous pour, the bartender thinks that he's being generous, you know, suddenly it's at least two ounces. Yeah, and suddenly uh, you've right. had two of those and right. you're like, Woo. Right. <laughs> and, and, and you're you're drinking like a like a, a 9% no, double IPA right, with you it. You need no more. You <laughs> yeah, need yeah. no more. That's, yeah, that's good night, Irene. That's about enough. I don't know if you will agree with me, but even a, the kind of the highball is sort of related to uh, a beer and a shot in some ways. Yeah, you know, I like guess it, it was. You know, it's sort of combining. It, it, it's combining the stuff. Especially like you, like in Japan where they put in, I think it's like three or four parts sparkling water to yeah. one part whiskey. You get that kind of, I mean, it's obviously in the same glass, but it's that same sort of idea where you're you're sort of lowering the proof ultimately, you know, in your stomach anyway. Yeah. You know, by combining the two. I mean, you see that kind of starting back in England in the uh, 1820s, 30s, when uh, soda water was touted as being the ultimate hangover cure. Mm. It was like that's what it was great for. Uh, and you could mix it with white wine, as as uh, Lord Byron 
suggested. <laughs> Hock, uh, German white wine and soda water was his uh, I love that he was cure. a white wine spritzer kind yeah, of guy. Yeah, he was a white wine spritzer kind of guy, uh, along many, with many <laughs> other things. He also drank a lot of gin punch. But right. uh, but he said for, for hangover cure, that was like what you want. In his cravat and, you know, velvet smoking jacket yeah, drinking and, a white wine yeah, spritzer. Yeah, and, and, you know, eyeing the ladies uh, dangerously. Right. To be honest, it gives me much more respect for the white wine spritzer. Yeah, uh, it was pretty good as a hangover cure. Yeah. But then people started saying, well, if that's good, maybe brandy and soda water oh, yeah. is better. And uh, Great drink. Yeah, and brandy and soda is a lovely drink yeah. that you don't really see so much anymore. Yeah. Uh, that used to be a good one on airplanes until they all stopped carrying cognac. Yeah, uh, but that was that was that was my go-to airplane drink forever was brandy and soda. Well, I do like enjoy the Japanese style. Like you know, you can I, drown it quite a bit. I kind of like it the other way. You know, more of the like you know, like kind of the old-timey movies where you know somebody goes to the sideboard, they yeah. have one of those old. You know uh, their own kind of carbonation. Uh, you know, oh yeah, the, 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 the soda siphon. The soda yeah. siphon. They squirt. You know you, that mm-hmm. great sound. You squirt a little bit mm-hmm. of club soda into a into a small glass with whiskey or brandy, and you know that's that's perfect. It's that's just, per- yeah. It's just just to kind of open it up, lighten it up a little yeah. bit, uh, keep you from uh, slugging down pure brandy. Like so many drinks start out from the world of hangover cures. Right. And you're going to need highballs, brandy and sodas and stuff if you're drinking Boilermakers the right. night before right. <laughs> and go a little a little overboard on it. you got to be careful with that, with, with the drinks. Well, that's but, certainly hair of the dog. I mean, you're, yeah. you're really getting into it if you're feeling good enough to have, or bad enough to have brandy and soda the next day. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. I remember in the late 80s really starting to see my friends and, and I really get into the pint and a shot. You didn't have pints so much uh, until the microbrew revolution huh. in, in America. American beer came in mugs yeah, or small glasses. Yeah. The pint, uh, they had to take a mixing glass from the cocktail bar to serve their pints huh. in. That was the only glass that right. held a pint was this mixing glass. So it took a while for pints to catch on in New York. You know, you go to McSorley's, you get two yeah. short beers. Yeah, and in a, uh, in, in, a, in a mug. Yeah, in a mug, exactly. And there, there was like frosty mugs. Yes, those were popular. And I think before that, they were telling me at McSorley's a couple of Rafe uh, Bartholomew and his mm-hmm. and his dad that originally they were ceramic mugs, same size, yeah, basically. Yeah. But they were yeah. there were a few still behind the bar. Obviously, they don't use them. But but whether you go to McSorley's or you yeah. go to a thrift shop, I remember as a kid they were always filled with. You know, mugs, mugs from yeah. this beer mugs from the yeah, 60s, yeah. 70s, you know, my grandmother's, you know, cabinet. You you always had, you know, whether it was Lowenbrow or, you know, Miller or different, you know, old Paps, right. old-timey brands. You had these, you know, beer mugs that you'd see all over. And those and would I, hold like 8 to 12 ounces. They weren't you know, huge. They I weren't mean, huge. Because, and, I mean, even as a kid, I could, you know, drink yeah. club soda from them yeah. or water or whatever. Yeah. And it wasn't – we're not talking about like the – Oktoberfest, you know, Munich style. No, no, know, they're not like a moss, you know, they, they don't hold a liter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it kind of speaks to the way that things have evolved. When you ordered a beer and a shot, it was probably well, smaller. You, you know, know microbrewing in America came out of emulation of English beers and ales. And so they wanted pints, you know, because that's what you drink in England. And in England, the shots of spirit are really small. 
ours are much Still bigger. Still measured. Yeah, I mean, the totally, measures, and everything's measured, measured, measured. There is no generous pour there. No, I mean, it's, no, everything know, is tightly controlled. Yeah, and expensive. And expensive. So, uh, you know, for us, suddenly we get these pint glasses, and they go along with the, the, the huge kind of oversized shots of booze. I mean, I remember in the 80s in, in New York, we called that Irish handcuffs. And you've, you've got your pint of Guinness in one hand and your large shot yeah. of Bushmills in the other, right. and, and, and you're not doing anything, nope. you know, because those take a while to get through. I mean, I think even something like Jack Daniels, like its rise to prominence in the 80s. I mean, obviously, you've people like Axl Rose and, yeah. you know, and Guns oh, Keith Rose, Richard before that. Keith also. Richard. A lot of that was shots, you know, shots and a beer. And it's, you know, whether you all do a round of shots and then you have a beer or, you know, you're ordering it mm-hmm. immediately, got to have helped, I think, spread that whole drink around the country, oh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. and just what popularized it with a whole new generation. This is a way of drinking I still enjoy and uh, come yeah. back to, but I, I tend to sip them as yeah. much as possible. And uh, if I can get a shorter beer, I'm, I'm very happy. Some bars, it's amazing. They have to scrounge through their glassware <laughs> to find something small, right. uh, small enough. You know, I ask them, I want a glass of beer, not a pint. Right. I'm willing to pay the full price right. of a pint. I don't care. Right. I don't care. You know, I, I just don't want that much beer. It's funny because in the UK, you can order like a half pint yeah, or half a pint. pint. And yeah. it's totally, you it's know, fine. doesn't smirch your manhood nope. or womanhood, nope. you know, to order a beer that small. Nope. Here, of course, in America, we, we see that as, you know, weakness. Yeah. That allows you to switch beers, to try different things, to, you know, uh, have a beer and still be fairly yeah. clear-headed. That trying different things is kind of interesting, too. Right. People like, you know, our good friend Eric Castro at Boilermaker oh, sure. Bar here in New yeah. York. And there, there are plenty of others who started doing pairings of shots and beers because it. they have yeah. these wild uh, beer lists. Yeah. It's like, what will go with what? I mean, there's no fixed rules here. Right. But it's kind of fun to play around oh, a little absolutely. bit. You know, why stop with whiskey and beer? Right. You've got these grapefruity flavored uh, modern IPAs that are so bright, and you can have some mezcal I was with just that. About to say, you know, yeah, yeah. Tequila and, mezcal is yeah, perfect for that. They're perfect for that. And then, then some of the other beers are just so round and mellow. You might yeah. want like a, a Calvados or a cognac with that. And it is interesting. I mean, you you get all of the fruit beers. You have people, you know, serving rye whiskey, bourbon, mm-hmm. scotch think kind of as a general like you know it's you know people like to pair similar things together you know right, like sweet right. with sweet or right. spicy with spicy but sometimes fun also to to go against that rule yeah, so which means that there really is no rule there right? is no rule <laughs> i think it's just fun to play around you know yeah. and if, if you don't like that pairing don't order that pairing we, you're not doing it wrong right and it's kind of nice <laughs> you know? too because you're not you know in a lot of these bars you're not spending that much for the pair you know if you don't yeah. like the pairing yeah just drink one and then the next one you know yeah. it's not really yeah you're not super invested in it yeah it's also the type of thing where you could basically order it at any bar some of the cocktail bars the problem is they don't a lot of them don't carry beer right you know, or if they do, they carry maybe one beer. Or, They'll have one beer on tap or two beers right. on tap. But, you know, two that beers could, on tap, right, is, that's, that's yeah, good enough. Perfect, yeah. I'll start with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay. Some of my favorite bars in the world have only one beer on tap. Right. You know, it's, it's one of the universal drinks that I think yeah. I would say most bars in America can do. You yeah. know, maybe you might get a, a an odd glance at some of them for ordering it, but it's something that you could always get. I mean, worst comes to worst, you're drinking one of the main bourbon companies. They'll usually have one that's a little up the scale from the regular. Yeah. So, you know, if you're lucky, you're drinking Jim Beam Black. Right. And in terms of beer, 
these days you'll probably be able to at least get a Sam Adams. Right. And, you know, Jim Beam Black and a glass of Sam Adams, I'll take that. Yeah, absolutely. That That's I'll, absolutely I'll make, fine. Make it two of those. Yeah. <laughs> Keep them coming. Well, I think that uh, concludes another episode of Life Behind Bars. Uh, Dave and I are going to go and have a uh, beer and a shot. I hope you will, too. And uh, we'll be back with another episode. Cheers. Cheers. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 